Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Health Collective podcast. In today's episode, we're joined by Sarah Maitland-Price, a holistic therapist based in North Wales and owner of the Willows Therapy Studio. Now, in today's episode, we cover various different areas focusing on comfort zone and why remaining in it can create a life that feels stagnant, losing that joy and vitality, but more importantly, how to get out of that comfort zone and bring back some of the colour and zest for life. We also look at self-care and the inevitable guilt that comes with it, that idea that taking a moment for ourselves is a waste of time because there's always something that has a higher priority on our list. We look at ways that we can overcome this guilt and actually move through it so that self-care becomes a habit, not a task or a chore. If any of this resonates, or if you're a mum or business owner, career woman, wife that's just really struggling to find that colour, joy and time for herself, then this is definitely the episode for you. If you need any more information or help in your own health, body or weight, then please check out our website, which is thehealthandfitnesscoach.com. Enjoy the episode. such a pleasure to have Sarah with us today and a massive welcome to you. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to be with us. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. So from everything that you do as a holistic therapist um, in terms of helping people in certain I guess the term is wellness well-being. Most of my regular listeners will know I'm not a fan of that word because it's a very non-specific overarching doesn't really help well-being for me quite a lot so before we look at some of the specifics what would you say your version of well-being or wellness is and how does a holistic therapist come into that okay so well-being for me personally is all about looking after yourself I'm a big believer of you can't pour from an empty cup So it's all about um, looking after yourself through self-care, through having holistic therapies, things like reflexology, um, massage, all of those lovely things. Um, So it's really important because I find that most of the clients that come to me are, they do want to start looking after their wellness um, and they they might have their, they've started with their diet, which is great. Um, but they don't actually then take time to just stop and start looking after themselves. Um, so that's where I come in and say, okay, come on, get on the bed. <laughs> let's start with massage. Let's start with reflexology. So it's really important. And I have all of those things, you know, um, I do try to look after my diet. I do a lot of yoga, meditation, um, and I just try to help clients bring that into their life as well as diet. Absolutely. So when it comes to things like reflexology, massage, all of these kind of areas, when you say, you know, they're not very good at that self-care, probably one of the things that first comes to mind, and I see it with a lot of my clients, obviously, in terms of what I do with nutrition and fitness and weight loss, is guilt when it comes to taking time to stop, um, especially, um, you know, obviously my clients being female, but in general, people of a certain age where they have responsibilities, whether that's children or a career or a business or other, feel that prioritising themselves is 
a quote unquote a waste of time and that there's always something that they should should being the operative word be doing so it's great if someone comes and has reflexology but how would you then help them transfer that uh that one hour or 45 minutes with you into a more overarching um sense of um acceptance when it comes to taking time for themselves sure well I would try and get them to book um a few after they've had reflexology I would try and get them to book or any of the holistic treatments I would always try and get them to book again Mm-hmm. and maybe book a block booking so they do start to take their wellness into their own hands. I also try and find out what they're actually doing for themselves and then try and work with them um, in bringing a bit more self-care and probably explaining to them what self-care is and making sure that do they feel guilty, which is nine times out of ten, we do. <laughs> and tracking back to find where the coaching comes in where does that guilt come from why mm-hmm. do you feel guilty and just finding out finding out about what they do every day and um, so it's working quite holistically with them not just having a massage or having reflexology finding out about their life and where they can fit in looking after themselves mm, absolutely so for a lot of the people that have that guilt and then sort of come and, you know, have whatever the therapy is that they start with, that is very much outside of their comfort zone. It's doing something that isn't normal for them. So what I'd love to do is, because I know this is an area for you that you focus on, is start off by understanding what a comfort zone is. They're two words that seem to be very obvious, uh, but put together can mean they become more than the sum of their parts. So how would you describe a comfort zone and what it is for people? Okay, so comfort zone for me and comfort zone for my clients is usually um, I describe it as they do everything the same and they never, ever do anything different. So because what happens is their mind is um, is all about just staying in that one part um, and not actually trying something different because it's too scary. So they want to stay where they are because they're comfortable um, and the thought of actually doing something differently is too scary. Mm. So we'll just push it to the side and not do it. The comfort zone is a very safe space. It's a very yeah. wrong with safety. No, it's absolutely not. Why is it important for people to get outside of their comfort zone? Why does it matter that they do that? Okay, so most clients that come to me, especially for coaching, they um, they've been in this comfort zone for ages, and what 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 they tend to say to me is, and I hear it all the time, is. I've lost that passion for life. And so my job is to unpick why they've lost that passion. And then we bring in things that can bring that passion in. And it's usually things that are out their comfort zone. So for me, just to explain it, just to go into a bit more detail, for me, what I did was when I felt like I was losing my zest for life, I went rock climbing, never done it before, completely out my comfort zone. And I 
went right up the rock and it was amazing and that for me brought excitement brought passion and that's I do it all the time <laughs> in terms of change because essentially comfort zone is another way I call it the death rattle if you're comfortable it's the death rattle it's okay. where nothing's growing and if it's not growing it's dying and so it becomes a very stagnant place to be and often people will never change from their space of comfort because they're not in enough pain to yeah. want to make the change you know it's where people will stay in relationships for decades that don't actually make them happy it's not uncomfortable but it doesn't make them happy it doesn't give them that zest that you just mentioned so if someone's feeling that stagnation that kind of I have lost that love and that joy and that spark how do you help them understand that there is more because most people if they've been in a comfort zone for decades will have a limitation that says well this is it surely you know this is all there is there isn't anything more how would you help people first of all make that step of awareness to say maybe there could be something beyond this okay so I always work with um especially coaching clients one of the first things that I was always taught is what is important to any client? So we always start with working on values. And values are what are really important to every client. So for example, um, when I had to work out my values, when I was feeling a bit lost, um, it came up having a sense of purpose. So I would always work with clients trying to find out their top 10 values. Um, so for me, number one was always sense of purpose. So then we would dig into what actually sense of purpose means. And for me, it was having a sense of purpose doing holistic therapies. So then I would um, go, OK, so how can we take that a little bit further? Um, it was learning something new to do with holistic therapies. And that's where my coaching came in. So it's always it's always about pushing that digging deep with that client and finding out what is really important for them. And what you find with strategic questioning with the clients, they will always bring something that they forgot was even there. So for people listening who are maybe looking for that passion, because that is probably the way that I would always describe it, is a lot of the women that I speak to, everything is just grey everything's become monotone and gray and it's a tick box life has become an exercise in tick box survival get up rinse, repeat go to bed continue and they're looking for color now for you you found it in rock climbing uh I think for a lot of people you know for me it was as soon as I discovered salsa dancing that was me hooked. uh that was my joy and my passion for a lot of people who are in a comfort zone there are certain physical limitations that we have to take into account there might be wheelchair bound it might be arthritis there might be a lot of mobility issues and the two things that we just discussed are very physical and active mm. you might be listening saying well that's great Sarah that's great Rita but I can't do that yeah. so how would you help them move through a comfort zone if they feel in terms of physicality they have limitations 
Okay, so for me, I'm all about physical anyway, but that's just me personally. So if I had somebody in that was, as you've just said, wheelchair bound or something like that, then I would probably, obviously through questioning, I would find out what really sparks their passion, um, which would probably be totally different to my, because everybody's different anyway. Um, So I would really find out what, they could do what their what their passion was um what they used to do are they still interested in that so and I'm talking things like hobbies um which you know doesn't have to be rock climbing or salsa dancing which sounds amazing um so it's actually it's finding out what that individual you know what sparks their passion in life that they've kind of left behind um so what could that be if they were wheelchair bound I don't know um maybe um meeting up with people be, uh, becoming into a community you know any which which everybody can do because most clients that come in with me are quite lonely and they've especially since covid um they've lost that um that confidence of actually going out and meeting people and that can really bring that passion and that zest for life out which everybody can do absolutely would you say that there's any merit to talking with people about what used to be hopes and dreams before adulthood got in the way you know I remember as a young girl you know growing up with you know, no money, council estate in Essex. If you're in the US, Google it, you'll understand. Um, <laughs> it was uh, kind of quite a limiting environment, but I always remember I had this poster on my wall of this unicorn that said dream big. And then as soon as you sort of hit 18, 19, 20, and bills, rent, mortgages, life starts to happen, that dream big kind of gets shoved to the side. And actually all of the things that we had aspirations for or inspirations with that I always call it cheerfulness is when you're happy and you tell your face about it that cheerfulness and that playfulness as a young woman or a young man kind of gets lost along the way and regardless of limitation you know I I have a a client for instance who has um, no legs she she is a torso and she does um women's basketball but wheelchair so would you and it was mainly because it was something that as a kid she'd always watched and had aspirations for so do you find any merit in taking people back to sort of childhood um dreams and helping them rediscover things that maybe got lost yes absolutely um if I had a penny for every client that says, I used to do this and I used to do that and I wish I could go back to that time. I don't know what's happened. Um, and then, you know, when you question them, they say, oh, yes, we've had I've had a family. You know, I got married. I got divorced. I, you know, everything's kind of got in the way. So, yes, it's there's nothing better than taking people back to their childhood dreams. Yeah. And you can guarantee that's usually what's happened. It's just got lost along the way. Yeah, hundred percent. I've got to ask on that. What were some of your childhood dreams? Ooh, ooh. Um, camping was a big one. 
Yes, which I'm now <clears throat> at an age where I've not done it since I was a child. So I bought a tent and all it's done is rain. That's a different story. But um, so camping was a big one and walking. Although my mum does say I would never walk as a child, but I just absolutely, that's my passion. Yeah. And it, which comes from when I was a teenager. Yeah. So it, it is interesting. I remember as a child, my dream was, don't judge me on this. I, I didn't understand, <laughs> didn't understand the sort of biological um, limitations that I had. I wanted to be a mermaid when I was a child. I thought, I'll, I'll do that somehow. And obviously, I've never grown a fin or a tail, but I now spend pretty much every day out at the sea. I live next to the sea. I spend all of my time. Wow, fantastic. There are probably ways that people may have had dreams that they would say now as adults are impossible but there's always a way of finding at least some essence of that dream so I love the fact that you've just bought a tent fingers crossed for some good weather for you for the rest of the month so in terms of that uh going back to that sort of self-care one of the things that I think we have in common and probably a lot of people listening have in common is being a mother Yes. And being a mother changes irrevocably your identity in the sense that you are Sarah, but you are now somebody's mum. And that is a great addition to an identity. But I see for a lot of women, it becomes their only identity. Mm. And they lose the sense of self of the woman that they were prior Do you ever feel that that shift when we become mothers has an impact on, because I'm sure in my 20s, I didn't feel guilty about self-care. I'm trying to remember back, but I'm sure I was more than happy to sunbathe and relax in my 20s. Do you think that has quite a big impact for people? It really does, you know, and I talk from a personal point of view, the, um, you do tend to have this mum guilt constantly, Mm. you know, um, I, work quite a lot um which gives you total mum guilt um especially when the when they're on holiday <laughs> double mum guilt so it's it's just trying to work at that um the good things about the, the hobbies that I've taken up is I drag my son along so he can't get out of it, which is great. And there's nothing better than actually doing things with that. But mum guilt is a huge thing. And I have it myself. I have a lot of clients come in with it. Um, so it's all about being kinder to yourself. And, you know, I, there's nothing better than see, than having my son see me work hard because that I, that's what I would love him to do, which I'm sure he will. And he'll hate me for saying that. But... Um, yeah, mum guilt is a huge thing. And it's just about being kind to yourself and, yeah, doing what you can when, you know, when you're off and, and making the most of that with, with your children. Do you perceive there to be benefit in taking space as a mum? So I'm probably the kind of mum that is very different to a lot of others. I travel for work and You know, sometimes the family will come, but sometimes I'm away for seven days, you know, um, on my own. 
each day I will always make sure I take two hours for me. That's usually doing some sort of exercise and some sort of breath work or, or swimming down at the sea. But I always sense, and this could be entirely just my own perspective, that when I come back from that gap, from that two hours, I'm a better mom. I'm a better wife. I'm a better coach. I'm a better business owner. So do you see that there is benefit in the space that is created when you take a step back? And if so, for those mums listening who go, well, that's fantastic, but there are no grandparents near me and nursery costs a bomb and there's no babysitters. How do I do it? Mm. How would you give them guidance on creating that space for self-care if childcare is maybe uh, a challenge? Okay, so I would, um, hopefully they've got friends which they can kind of can kind of help out and you know you you don't necessarily have to have two hours it can just be half an hour just sitting having a cup of tea on your own doing you know doing breathing which I do breath work as well which is amazing um it can even be 15 minutes it's just about taking that time out um you know I have a very good um, support network of friends here which helped me out endlessly because I don't have family in North Wales. I have family in Liverpool. So I'm actually, and I don't have grandparents here. So I'm in that predicament myself. Um, And that's when you find out who your friends are. (laughs) Absolutely. But yeah, you don't necessarily need that amount of time. It's just about having maybe that 15 minutes of sit down and just breathing and just yeah, taking that time. So you don't necessarily have to have that amount of time. It's just having that that you time, 15, 20 minutes, that's all you need. So let's say we take that example of 15 minutes. Mm. Let's say someone listening has a block coming up today and there's this 15-minute gap. And they could do one of two things. They could take 15 minutes of yoga, 15 minutes of work, 15 minutes of... I don't know, some high energy YouTube dance fit, you know, they could take 15 minutes or they could spend 15 minutes answering probably about three emails and stressing over work. And I can guarantee that the natural response to most of them will be the latter because from a state of fear, we tend to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. So when that 15 minute comes and there's this pivotal moment where they could go in one of two directions, What advice or guidance would you give them to ensure that they are able to make the choice Mm. to do the the breath work or whatever it might be? Yeah. So I would work with a client. I mean, the the first thing I would say is when we we would work out when in the day that you could maybe have this 15 minutes. And I know it could be different every day, but we would try and set a specific time for that 15 minutes and even put an alarm on your phone. And say, okay, this is my fifteen minutes, and then do what you you know do what you need to do. So I would work very closely with that client. I would also give them that goal to do. So the goal would be until their next session, fifteen minutes a day. Doesn't matter when it is. We just need you to do it and just try. And I would also explain about repetition because once they get repetition, will cause habit. So once they get into that habit, it will be second nature. 
once they're in the habit, I completely agree. It's second nature. And that's, that's the nature of habits. You know, yeah. we have habits which are essentially, you know, automatic pathways and we travel mm. along. Getting into the habit is the tough bit. And, you know, a lot of people will say in that moment, I just I couldn't. They get paralyzed by the fear of thinking, you know, I I need to take time off or they get restless or, you know, even self-care, just like nutrition and exercise. People are not a believer in the willpower, but it's the word that most people will recognize. They'll say, well, my willpower gave up and I just carried on working or I didn't have the motivation. So I carried on doing whatever it might be. So I understand the process of building the habit and I understand why like it's so vital. But in the moment where they're in that back and forth, what would you say to help them make the choice of self-care rather than of essentially self-harm? Okay, so I would... I, I do say this quite often, which might sound a little bit tough, but I also I always say, do you want to stay as you are? Nine times out of 10, they say no. So do something about it. And usually they go, oh, okay, I'll just try it then. Which is a little bit like tough love, but it usually works. So essentially getting people to connect with the current discomfort so that they have impetus enough to actually move forward and make because what would happen what would just what would happen if you took that 15 minutes and then we will go through what that what that what comes up for them and then I would say something like why don't we give it a go you can stay as you are or you can change and you've come here to change so let's give it a go and they're like oh yes so that usually that nine times out of ten that usually works, but it's it's but some but most of the time we have to repeat that with, with every session, which is fine. That's what I'm here for. So, so essentially, everybody listening, if you want to change, give it a go. That's kind of hundred <laughs> percent. What a you know, I feel like I need to come up with my own version of um, Jeremy Clarkson's old. And on that bombshell, we'll leave it there. I, I, I'll come up with one. Listeners, if you've got any ideas for how to end the show. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Stealing Top Gear's um, version, feel free to message me. Um, but it's been absolutely fascinating um, talking to you about various different aspects of comfort zone, self-care, being a mom, self you know mum guilt these are all very real challenges that everybody faces and I would probably say to anyone listening if you feel that you are facing those challenges I can guarantee everybody around you who looks in control and comes across as having the perfect balance and you know they've got it together they don't they're all struggling with the same thing and it's about making the changes in the way that works for you so Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Thank you to Sarah. As always, if you want to get in touch with um, Sarah or any of our guests from the podcast, all of the information will be in the podcast description. Um, So that just leaves me to say a a big thank you from me and a a big thank you um, to Sarah for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Absolutely. Everyone have a fabulous day and I'll see you on the next episode.